despacito. Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito. Deja que te diga cosas al oído. Para que te acuerdes si no estás conmigo. Despacito. Quiero respirarte a besos despacito. Welcome back, everybody, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 82 here on Thursday, the 5th of May in the AEA studios. Yikes. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, Mike McKenna, Miguel McKenna. Hola, Miguel. Hola, como esta? El jefe. <laughs> now, do you remember in the campaign when Joe Biden was pandering to a Hispanic audience oh, and fumbled on his iPhone. Did he really? And played this song. <laughs> you don't remember that? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's <was I> classic. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes it, for it, everybody. The, it was a it was a a, a genius move. It, it, it was a genius move. This day doesn't actually celebrate hardly well, anything at all. That is our one and only this day in history. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's a Mexican Mexican uh, victory at uh, Puebla, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. In what year? Eighteen sixty-two. Uh, I was going to be wrong. I was going to guess eighteen fifty-ish, but yeah, eighteen sixty-two. Um, it, it it meant nothing, literally. I, I well, no I think the Mexicans would argue with that. This was this is know. a this is a this is a celebration invented by Budweiser and Tecate. <laughs> I would say this. There's a legitimate battle that was won. Yes, yes, there was. Uh, against the French. Which is not much of a victory if you think about it, but okay. Led by General Ignacio Zaragoza. Yeah. In 1862, battling Napoleon III. Yeah. Army. Yeah, I mean, you know, in 1862, there was actually important stuff going on in this continent, and it wasn't the Mexicans and the French going at each other. Today, Mexicans and Mexican-Americans celebrate the anniversary of the Battle of Puebla as Cinco de Mayo, a holiday in the state of Puebla, where we have an excuse to drink Coronas and eat Chipotle. Seriously, you know, we didn't celebrate, you know, Alabama celebrates Confederate History Day, like, you know, we, we didn't celebrate that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all you. All you people who celebrate. All you celebrator of, of Cinco de Mayo. And to my relatives who are Puerto Rican, I sincerely apologize that we started off the program this way. <laughs> All right. Uh, any announcements? I do have one. Shoot. Um, a, a, a loyal listener, uh, Richard, um, s uh, pointed out to me that sometimes we are unduly um, mean to our producer because he's young and doesn't know anything. <laughs> so I said that we would correct that by just we, alerting, we alerting him it's when like he doesn't actually know he's anything. He's like a family member. We tease him because we love him. I'm not sure that's right. I don't know. What do you think, producer? Are you? Are you? Have you had it with us, or he, we have a little leeway? He, oh, that was kind of you. He's done. You don't kid. Don't kid yourself. He's done. <laughs> what do we have today? I don't know. We got a lot, lot to cover. There's nothing going on, right? So, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Dobbs or or the primary in Ohio? I'm going to start um, with the how, primary. How are we going to go? I'm going to start with the this? primary in Ohio. All right, let's start with that. Yeah. Um, two things about it struck me. First off. Um, well, let's set the stage here for those who don't follow. Well, this. Look, if like, you don't follow this know, stuff, I'm really I'm not the New York right, Times. Look, I'm not going to help you. This is the Wall Street Journal. Uh, after a bruising seven-way primary in Ohio, Donald Trump's choice for the GOP U.S. Senate nomination, venture capitalist and author J.D. Vance, won Tuesday. His history, his victory showed the strength of Mr. Trump's support among Republicans. Da, da, yeah, da, as well as his 
as its limitations. Carl Rove uh, wrote a little op-ed uh, in the journal, and this was his his headline. Yikes. Vance's Ohio Senate victory isn't a big win for Trump. Yeah. The ex-president's pick barely won his primary, showing the risks of endorsement. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so that was going to be my point. But when I read that Carl said it, I thought, well, maybe I need a different point because I sure don't want to, like, just be that guy. Um, two things about that that I thought were interesting. Three things. Um, the Vance about- key- the result or uh, about Rove. all of it. About all of it. Okay. No, who cares about Carl Rove? Yeah. He, I, yeah, but he, I have. I'm making a point with the Rove thing. Oh, so please. Okay. Um, three things. First off, that campaign was in a ditch, and um, and um, I'm trying to think of how much I feel like disclosing. And, and I was asked about how to fix it, and I said, "Look, that whole thing needs to get revamped like right now." This was about two, three weeks ago, like right now, right now, right now. And I give. I give the um, I give the Peter Thiel political operation full credit because they paid really close attention and fixed it immediately. They did not hesitate. Lots of political campaigns would have flailed around for another five days and then try to fix it. They fixed it immediately. So that's one, right? It's a that that political organization is going to be important as we head towards twenty twenty four. That's thing one. Thing two is um, Rove is right. right? Vance got thirty percent. Um, it was not a, it was not a, um, well, he was coming, he was Olympic. coming from a, you know, mid to low twenties. Yeah. Right? He got 30%, he, but yeah, he got 30%, right. which means 70% of the Republicans who voted, voted against him. Um, I mean, I could put hair on that if you'd like me to, but that's just the numbers. Um, if, if Ohio was not a plus 13 plus 14 state. Well, um, yeah, let's get into that um, too a little bit. Because yeah, that, and that was a third thing that that was a third thing that was kind of surprising about the not surprising but notable about the elect, about the results. Um, twenty eighteen, the last time we had a comparable off year, um, Republicans had about uh, two hundred thousand more voters show up in the primaries than the Democrats. Right, it was about eight hundred thousand or about six hundred thousand. Um, this year. Uh, it was almost 500. It was more than 500. More than ha- half a million. It, it was, was 1.1 million Republican primary mm-hmm. voters to yeah. the Democrats, 500,000. Five, about 520 so is actually what they want. Vance's total votes is still pretty good. I mean, he's, I don't think, yeah, he got 300,000 votes. He got 300,000 votes. Ohio, right. Ohio is, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tim, Tim, Tim Ryan is dead in the water. Tim Ryan, like I said, um, Ohio runs about 12, 14 points now ahead of uh, Republicans nationwide. You know, they just assuming Republicans go even Steven, Ryan would have to outperform Ryan uh, uh, Vance by 15 points to win. That's there's just no conceivable way that happens. The great thing about a primary that's a little bumpy, everybody learns how to play tackle football. Right. You, 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 yeah, you, your weaknesses are exposed. You don't get free passes. Yeah. And I mean, Vance also has a you know, fairly robust. Uh, there's a leak out there about his his own the opposition his research own thing. PACs opposition research. It was do- good. I read document, it. It was good. Right? I read it. It was good opposition research. Yeah. It was yeah. solid. And you know what? Um, I'll be honest. I'm a little concerned about this guy. He he's either going to be great or he's going to be terrible. I don't think there's going to be any mid course. You know, for people who are like uncertain about how this world works out, let me just remind you that. When Chuck Grassley was elected in Iowa in 1978, he was considered to be the conservative golden god. <laughs> <laughs> so oh world world changes. How the world right? has changed. Right. Exactly. 
He is the worst of the worst. Okay, so a um, couple of other stories out of this out yeah. of this evening. Uh, money doesn't buy elections, which we know already. Well, uh, well, Teal gave well. Teal, Teal Super PAC help, but can I? Can I? How about if I say Mike Gibbons? Spent a bunch 17 of seventeen million of his own. How about money if I put it? How about if I say it this basically way? Basically, like just how about tanked. If, how about if I say it that well? You know, you can't you can't hide every defect. How about if I say it this way? Beyond a certain point, money doesn't matter, right? You get a you get, you get past a certain dollar per voter, and it just doesn't matter. Yeah, and of course, for people who don't live in swing, you know, swing states or you know, previously swing states, we're all border states, Tom. Right. Uh, then they don't understand that because you just get completely like just candidated, saturated right. it, with it, these it. things to the point where it becomes like background, you know. Yeah. Background well, I mean, pain, it, not even noise. Let me. Can, I know you're making a different point. Can I stop you right yeah. there and just say something? That's that's my my thing, and I repeat it every time I get a chance, and I have a chance. If you're giving money to a candidate, be careful, because about eight out of ten times, all you're doing is making consultants will rich. You're not actually helping anybody win anything. Yeah. Now, there are a whole bunch of down ballot, uh, you know, for House in uh, in Ohio that went Trump in the Trump direction as well. So, there's no denying that Trump had a big night in Ohio the other day with his endorsements. Well, it wasn't. And, it wasn't like Max Miller was going to lose. Yeah. Despite but, the fact that Max Miller deserved to lose because he's not a nice person. But but the point is, is that you know, uh, MAGA. Is running strong in Ohio right now, yeah. so there's an article in Politico that I wanted to uh, point out too. This was in today's Politico headline: Trump reasserts his GOP dominance. Uh, of course, now the the story is Mitt Romney and Josh Hawley, polar opposite in today's GOP, agree on one thing: Donald Trump's status as Republican kingmaker. I don't delude myself into thinking I have a big swath of the Republican Party. Romney said in a Wednesday interview, it's hard to imagine anything that would derail his support. So if he wants to become the nominee in 24, I think it's he's very likely to achieve that. And uh, Holly and, and Jim Jordan basically said, said the same thing. Uh, but it just shows yep. that he's still by got a lot of strength. By the way, I don't, I don't know how to say this the right way without hurting anybody's feelings. So I'm just going to say it. Um, literally nothing that happened on Tuesday changes anything that was before. It doesn't show anything. All it shows is, is that Peter Thiel and his crew can run a campaign. That's doesn't doesn't show fine. that doesn't show that the boss is strong or weak or anything else. It shows that Peter Thiel can run a campaign. That's it. This nonsense about the president still you know having an iron grip over the Republican Party. Somebody might want to tell Dave McCormick that. Somebody might want to tell Mo Brooks that. Somebody might want to tell Sean Parnell that, because you know. He, he endorsed in all those races, and eh, we're still up for grabs. So, yeah, you know, but the, 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 the national the, story is the national yeah, story. Back, and right? let's, let's, and here, here, here is a couple other observations that oh, I have from brother. this. Night. The first is with this Rove thing, and I've noticed this pattern. And this is not just specific to Ohio. Um, Mark Short, yeah, who's yeah, Vice President Pence's guy. Well, just announced that he's running. Uh, he's helping with uh, with the Kemp campaign. He's moving over to the Kemp campaign yep. temporarily in Georgia. Yep. And another article from Politico from from May second, George W. Bush to appear at fundraiser for Kemp for Trump nemesis Kemp. Yeah. 
So that, after, after the shoot, the bush is over. lines are, are are starting to like it's Bush versus after, Trump, and after, I after, I got a feeling I know who's going to win that. Seriously, it, no doubt in my mind is going to win that. So. Let me just say one other thing real quick because it, it it passed without much notice. I wrote a column on it when it happened, but this part of this thread too. Um, New York Times hired somebody to be the Trump beat guy, beat reporter. And I had a back and forth with friends of mine at the Times about that. And the bottom line is Politico, New York Times, CNN, they want Trump to be the Republican of Party. It, it serves their it serves their business and editorial purposes. Our, our readers recall uh, that on the top of the Trump White House to accomplishments list was saving the failing <laughs> New York Times. Times. So totally accurate, by the way. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure the the Democrats want that too. And in fact, their new uh, their news sort of they're they're veering now towards making this yet another election about Donald Trump. Yeah, um, for the midterms. Yeah, the other thing that you want to consider when you consume news from our crew out there um, is that it's written by journalists who, for the most part, have never actually done any of this stuff. They can't, you know they they they've never been involved in. Actual politics and never run campaigns or had any experience in in, ener- in what whatever it is they're writing works. about. Yeah, what, well, see, I don't blame the I don't blame the beat guys on energy and healthcare because hey, you just get a sign. But but we read these political reporters like they actually know what they're talking about. And I'm reminded of the words of the great Irish playwright Brendan Bean, who was asked about critics one day, and he said they are as eunuchs in a harem. They can see it performed every night, but are incapable of doing it themselves. And that's how I think about political reporters sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, <laughs> on that note, Jamie Vance, I, I don't know. I, I hope he's great. I hope he's great. I don't. I, I really just, hope he's great. I read his book and I wasn't blown away, to be honest with you. It was you. kind of I boring. It was self, a little bit self-serving. It's kind of boring. And, you know, it was sort of like everyone was looking for the answer to how Trump won miraculously. And Yeah, it was one of those moments where the timing caught yeah, the yeah. – yeah, yeah. But I, I, the book was jejun. Look yeah. it up. It's French. All right. Uh Let's do let's do Dobbs. Let's get let's get this rolling here. There's a lot to talk about on this one. I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not sure how much I have there is to talk about it. It um everyone who's going to vote on abortion, most everyone who's going to vote on right to life issues already votes well, and let, it, let me s- Oh, Let you me set to, that up with a poll, with a quick poll. Oh, not the morning consult thing. No, it's not no, good. No. Okay, the NRSC thing is actually pretty good. I don't know if you saw that one. This is actually, um, this is actually on MSNBC. Okay, what so, do they say? All right, I'll play it for you. Went ahead though to the second trimester, and that's where public opinion shifts. Now you've only got thirty-four percent who say that abortion in that time frame should be legal in most or all cases. You've got two-thirds basically saying it should be illegal in most or all cases. And then you move to the third trimester and you see an even more dramatic movement there. Less than 20% believe abortion in the third trimester should be legal in most or all cases. Eight out of 10 voters saying it should be illegal in most or Okay, so the other two numbers are in general, 56 support it being legal. 43% think it sh- should be illegal. 56, 43, 4, just the, yeah, the word abortion. Yeah. First trimester, 
legal, 38% illegal. Just to round out those numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I know where you're going because this is where I think the, that this issue is and how it's going to play in well, the midterms. Well, okay, two, two things, right? Well, I, I just want to, about the midterms, people who have already made it, people who vote on this issue, for the most part, made up their minds about which side of the political divide they're on, and they are voters, right? They're high high intensity, high, highly educated voters on both sides. Um, it's going to affect the world, um, the electoral world, in the governor's races that are going on in Michigan, in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Nevada. Um, that's where it's going to show up, and it's going to be um, touchy in a couple of those states, right? The And I'm certain, I am certain that we are going to have on both sides one or more candidates light themselves on fire. Oh, you know, yeah. it, we are, we, we, the fires are already lit. Just a, well, but I mean, who's going to who are going to say something they're going to regret on both sides, um, and will ultimately damage their campaigns probably irrevocably. Right? That's yeah, there's already plenty on. Yeah, uh, going back to Ohio, there's already plenty on the Democrat. Well, no, Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan yesterday, yesterday yeah. was asked about it, and he said, "Yeah, right up to the moment of birth." Yeah, and and uh, and you know, this the, there's a lot of the survey data. I'm going to say something that's going to sound odd, but it's not. Survey data on right to life stuff is very similar to survey data on climate change. I was just going to go there. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it it really is. You know, um, sentiment has really hardened in the last 15 years on both of them. And um, if you just ask, hey, are you you know are you in favor of doing something? People are like, yeah. Hey, are you you know are you favor abortion legal? Yeah. But when you get down into the um, into the nitty gritty of it on right to life issues, right? First trimester, everybody's in, um, you know, everybody's like, okay, that's probably acceptable. But once you get past that, there's a hard, there's a hard societal conclusion that the answer has to be no. And you know, it's not just the United States, everywhere in Europe, everywhere in Europe, with the exception of the French, the Poles and Finland has 12 weeks. The French have 14, yeah. Finland and Poland, it's outlawed. Um, and pretty much everybody else, you know, has got a, has got themselves between twelve and fourteen weeks. That's where we're going to wind up on a national on a national yeah. situation. There, there's a lot of uh, mis. Okay, first of all, there's a there's a, a a misconception here, partially perpetuated by the Democrats, that this would make abortion illegal by overturning Roe versus Wade and or and sort or Casey. Of, it sort of depends on how the how the opinion gets written. So, if you haven't read the ninety eight pages, I encourage you to the the doorway that Alito seems to want to go into is the 14th Amendment doorway. And that would, in fact, um, preclude states from from um, allowing abortion. And I don't know. I suspect that's why we're going to wind up with a 6-3 where Roberts winds up writing it and is going to moderate it probably. Right, right, right. Which gets back to the point about the leak, which – our, our Who listeners should know that this was an unprecedented situation. A legit unprecededented. Legit not, not, unprecedented. Not like they don't have people like usually use that word. Yeah. There has never been a, a, a pre-decision brief, which is a draft, that has leaked in the history of the Supreme Court. It's pretty epic. That is insane. I. It is insane. And, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to end, end up getting resolved. But, well, but for whatever the motivations were... It is likely that there's going to be a very different brief that, that, so. is, that is the final decision. And it is highly likely at this point now that Roberts will be 
uh, in the majority decision on this. Yeah, I think so. Right, which shows the f- the fissures in the court. Roberts is not really, he has really no control over this court any no, longer. No, I'm glad. Yeah, I am as well. Um, I'm glad he's not what he said he was. That's right. And uh, we'll see how it goes uh, in that regard. Uh, but but once, by the way, once you see this 14th Amendment argument, can't unsee it. This is where we're going here. 15 years from now, 50 years from now, that 14th Amendment's still going to be there, and th- it's going to bust this thing up. And yeah. that's just that. So, you know, the Democrats, as, as Mike alluded to, the Democrats have a problem with this issue because uh, there was a there was, once was a Democrat president of the United States who said <laughs> that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare yeah, man. And, and signed a partial birth abortion ban. Of course, he was unclear on who it should be safe for, uh, but obviously not the intended victims. But they have they have moved so far uh, to the left on this because of the politics of the Democratic Party that now uh, it is literally, literally, they're they're even openly saying the well. Let me play this clip and tell you what it was either a Biden botch or they just don't even care anymore about being choice with their words. So the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. Okay. (laughs) Ignore the fact that it's a completely, this is the word salad of the week, by the way, for the administration. The idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment. But this is the phrase. Sure. To choose to abort a child it, based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think, goes way overboard. It, it um, you know, part of, the, part, of the, part of the terrible thing about Roman Catholicism is, is that once it gets in your head, you never really get it out of there, right? I mean, this <laughs> yeah, this this, yeah. this this guy hasn't been this guy hasn't been a Catholic probably for the last thirty years, but he still retains all the vestigial intellectual attachments to it. He basically uh-huh. told the truth. Yeah. Hey, we're making a choice to abort a child. Yeah. It, you could see, you could feel the collective groan of every White House staffer watching that on TV, like, oh, yeah, God Almighty. But you know what else? I mean, he, you know. Watch his evolution on this to the extent evolution? that there ever was. I'm going to say devolution. devolution. Of course, the he this guy. I mean, he's one of the worst politicians in the history of politics, in my view. He's the president of the United States, man. He, he's a mostly a terrible person. Like he's a hey. shameless political panderer. He's an instigator who has been pretty much wrong on everything from day one. That you know when he was dog catcher or whatever in in Delaware. So. It, it. <laughs> uh, it's just anyway. Uh, good, so good for so, him. Okay, so good for um, him, and good for good for whichever so nuns stuck the it to him. The assessment is as follows: one, this is largely not going to impact the outcome of the midterms. What it will do is raise money for the Democrats, which it already has. Um, Chucky, uh, Majority Leader Schumer, is scheduling a vote on the floor on next Wednesday to codify abortion rights into law. Show vote. Can I ask a question about that real quick? Yeah. Weren't we going to have votes on the BBB until yeah, like it yeah. passed? What <laughs> yes. the hell happened to that? Okay, that's here's, like four months ago. We haven't heard word one about but, it. But but here's the other thing. The so you can't tell me that the leak, either the leak, wasn't coordinated, 
And the Democrats are just so good at organizing around an issue that they've already scheduled a coordinated march to Washington, D.C., Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, including a variety of groups, Planned Parenthood, the Women's March, whatever that is, that could potentially draw hundreds of thousands of demonstrators. Right. So when did the leak happen? Tuesday night, I Tuesday. think. Tuesday. Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday Monday, night. Tuesday. Yeah, last yeah. couple of days. Yeah. So. I, look, I, I, you know, I we're gonna find out eventually. It's gonna come out. The person who's gonna, who who got who did it. The person who gets who gets cr- blame or credit, however you want to say it, is gonna get disbarred, and then go on and become a law professor and make a bunch of money at and, and comment on MSNBC at a at a fairly prestigious law school. Yeah. Okay, so I want to uh, play a couple of out uh, one. <laughs> You're kid. I'm not gonna play the whole thing just because my head would explode. Yeah, your head would explode. But I want to play a little piece of this. The theater has begun. Is that a war drum in the background? Is that a wardrobe? I think so. Is that a wardrobe? Is that a wardrobe? Hold on. She, her, literally, her face is like, oh, like you can it. see the veins she, popping she. out of Senator Warren's face. I hope she's okay, man. She's angry. It, she's like, what she think was going to happen here? I mean, this thing is only about six <laughs> weeks ahead of when we expected to get this decision. So come on. Okay. And then um, I got one more from uh, this one. This one is a head scratcher. Uh, ready for this? Of the fundamental freedom that women have to make choices about our own bodies and our own futures and our own economic security. And the thing is, Victor, that these justices are acting like this is somehow something that they have the right to change. They do not have the right to change this, which has been settled law for two generations now of people who have grown up, who have gone through their 20s in the firm belief that they can make these decisions about their own bodies. The only thing that has changed is the makeup of the... Who is this? This is Congresswoman Jayapal. Oh, yeah. One of the squad. Yeah, a couple couple things um, real (laughs) quick. First off, governments don't have rights and government entities don't have rights. They have authorities. Sometimes they have responsibilities. Just so you know, just want to fill that in for you. I know you may not be aware of that. You only took an oath to the Constitution. And then second off, yeah, that that's exactly the authority the Supreme Court has. <laughs> just, exa- just precisely precisely the authority they have. And if you didn't like it, you probably should have played these Supreme Court games a little harder in it, the past. It's breathtakingly shocking to me um, either how, how woefully ill-informed – and or deliberately misleading this, this well, some some I mean, of these people. The fact, okay, all politicians lie. So, so yeah, well, the fact right? that the fact but, that, the fact hey, it's settled law. Bad news, guys. Supreme Court doesn't make law. Supreme Court comments on laws, strikes down laws. They don't make laws. So it isn't settled law. It's settled case law. Important distinction. Nobody ever voted for this right, thing. Exactly. Nobody. And and just as a just as a matter of historical moment and and importance. On the day that Roe v. Wade was issued, January 26, 1973, 22nd, 1973, every single state in the United States 
In every single state in the United States, abortion was criminal to one degree or another. Every single state. So these guys, in one swoop, those seven, those seven justices, invalidated 50 um, segments of state law. Well, we should have so, packed the court. I mean, that's just impossible. These justices have too much power. For 50 years, they've been, tr- they've been on this crusade. It, it's, it's, we're going to see how it goes. Uh, my guess is the next 15 years are going to be among the most adventuresome years in American history. Okay, so I want to play one more from the vice president. Oh, boy. This should be good. And I should be done after that. Okay. Okay. Those Republican leaders who are trying to weaponize the use of the law against women. Well, we say, how dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? How dare they? How dare they try to stop her from determining her own future? How dare they try to deny women their rights and their freedoms? Um, How dare they? First of all, it is uh, just like that. In a flash, my body, my choice is back, baby. Yeah, man, vaccines for everybody. I don't know. I mean, vaccines I know you don't want to talk about COVID anymore. You no, know but... I don't. And in fact, that banned it from the show, if you remember. Okay. But the other thing that's interesting to me is all of a sudden, there are men and there are women again. <laughs> I don't know if you... It... I don't know if you noticed that, yes. but in the lexicon... I have, in fact, noticed that. It, men it's... are men again, and women are women again. It it. It's very interesting. I, I have been watching this with some some great interest. This this women's rights. I'm like, we can't. As recently as three weeks ago, we couldn't even define what a woman was. Now all of a sudden, the, the, those folks have rights. We have. I'm like, we have had phrases like menstruating person, birthing people, birthing people. By the way, Netflix shows about dudes who who deliver babies. By the way, what is it? It's Mother's Day. What? Week after oh, Sunday yes, after this yes. one, we'll see if it's Person's ha- Day. Happy Birthday, People's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to make light of it, but um, I do. I, if you I think it's comical that uh, all of a sudden, Her- Vice President Harris believes that people should make their own choices about their bodies again. I so I I tend to agree. All right, there's one little interesting political. Um, r- you mentioned there's going to be a lot of, you know, this is going to factor into campaigns. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to segue into the Utah situation anyway. So uh, I don't know if you, you are aware of what happened in Utah. The Democrats essentially didn't field a candidate. For? For Senate to run against Mike Lee. Oh, to run against Mike Lee. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, said yeah, something bad's guy. about to happen So here. Evan McMullen, who's running as an independent, you remember Evan, right? Sure, man. Yeah. Evan McMullen, the, the, the conservative. The who, Steve Schmidt of elected officials. The, the conservative who just got so dis, just disgusted by Donald Trump's corruption of conservatism that he had to run against him as an independent. Well, he was okay with George Bush's corruption of conservatism. So 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 he is now the uh the only opponent that Mike Lee has in Utah. And he, <laughs> That's There are some tweets that he sent uh back in October of 2016. The first was why can't real Donald Trump actually say the words I want Roe v. Wade overturned? I'm the only pro-life candidate in the race. Hmm. 
And then uh, prior to that, in August, he said, on the issue of life, it's life, all caps. So I would pursue court appointments that would overturn Roe versus Wade. Evan McMullen issued the, the McMullen for Senate campaign released a statement. Oh, no. What'd they say? As a pro-life Utah, I'm concerned that the never-ending tug-of-war over abortion laws threatens to create a public health crisis and further divide the nation without solving anything. My campaign is about forging a new way forward and building a new American consensus. Here comes the word salad. Even when it seems impossible and others refuse to try. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, some states will immediately enact extreme laws, such as total bans on abortion, onerous limits on birth control, criminalization of women in desperate situations. I oppose these laws. I will advocate Wait a for minute. sensible legislation are any, are any states that improves s- support for women, children, and family safeguards to health care and establishes reasonable standards that prevent extremists from doing harm. Okay, so he's running as a Democrat in Utah. Yeah, he's the only conservative in the race against have, Donald Trump. I have to be honest with you. I went to school with John Huntsman. I went to school with John Huntsman, and um, his dad, is, of course, was a great man. Um, you know, the rest of the Huntsman family is what they are, right? Political opportunists. Well, up until you just read that, I thought he was the worst thing that ever came out of Utah politics, but... I'm going to have to rethink that now because anybody who could maybe want to work for Mike Lee, <laughs> you know, he, he's doing something. And then, you know, like you've got Mitt Romney, Mittens, the, the third senator from Massachusetts. You know, Willard, Willard, Willard's a lovely human being. He, he just he's in the wrong line of work. Right. Yeah. He, he should be a life insurance salesman or yeah. should have stayed at Bain Capital or whatever. That's terrible, but perhaps not surprising. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Uh, by the way, um, the um Evan McMullen the for an, by, by the way, a big fan of Evan McMullen is your buddy Andrew Yang, who's out there full on in support of, of him. Of course he is. So of course he is. All the all the So Utah all, has all, all the guys who can't figure out what they are are coming together. The Utah Democratic Party is has basically like packed it in. In all fairness, they gave us John Curtis. What else do you expect? Yeah. John Curtis, true. I want to point out Republican congressman from Provo. Former Democrat mayor pro uh, for two terms, so it wasn't like an accident. He didn't check a box the wrong way. So I just want to remind everybody of that before we go. All right. So moving on from this issue, uh, I want to transition uh, to because the Democrats now want to make this election about Trump, and they want to make it about Roe. Well, right? I, well, I was going to say last week was Trump. Okay, pay attention. It, two weeks ago, it was disinformation last week it was about trump this week's about roe i yeah well it, they, it isn't let me just play this clip really quickly because <laughs> okay. yeah. this speaks for itself the election in this november is going to be a referendum on privacy and your rights to freedom as an american they don't want to make that the case they want it to be oh it's inflation it's something at the border no okay that was Senator Durbin. Senator Durbin right? from Illinois. Who <laughs> desperately wants the election to be about what we just talked about. But uh, I want to play a clip from CNN. That's still on? Didn't they cancel CNN, that? CNN. This is why I do this, because I want people to understand. I'm not just giving you Fox right here. I'm giving that, you, I thought they were. I'm giving you CNN. Here it is. Brand new CNN poll. Engaging President Biden on the economy, his overall job performance, and much more. Let's get right to CNN political director David Chalian. David, 
Two things sure stand out in this new poll. One, the economy, a top priority. And two, Americans disapprove of President Biden's handling of this more than ever before. Yeah, and those two things together uh, spell a tough political environment for Democrats, the president and his party. Take a look here. Most important issue, it's by far, Jake. 50% of people in this poll say the economy is the most important issue facing the country. Russia, Ukraine war at 14%, immigration at 10%. Everything else in single digits. We should note this poll was completed just before that bombshell news from the Supreme Court on abortion. Biden's handling of that number one issue only had a 34% approval rating on the economy, 66% disapprove. And that number there, Jake, that's been going down since our poll earlier this year. He was at 37% approval on the economy. Now he's down to 34%. And in terms of Biden's policies, look at this. A majority of Americans in this poll, 55%, say Biden's policies have actually worsened economic conditions. 26% no effect. Only 19% of Americans in this poll say Biden's policies have improved conditions. Who are those idiots? That was Jack Tapper. And, no, no, no. I know. I mean, who? Oh, the, you mean the 19%? 19%. Yeah, who are those who idiots? Probably like John Doerr, who just I, gave a billion dollars to Stanford, Stanford. I always, to study climate change. I always try to. I always try to avoid. I always try to avoid judging respondents to surveys. But every once in a while, you're like, "What the hell are they looking at?" <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I take a d d detour here for a second on another survey? You can. So ABC came out at the top of at the end of last week. ABC um, is whoever they do their surveys with nowadays. Washington Post. Anyway, ABC came out with their survey. And it it true it was the same thing, right? Basically, the economy's number one, and this guy's in a terrible ditch on it. And it wasn't just that, right? He was in a ditch on immigration. He's on a ditch on all this other stuff. Um, but the generic ballot, when I say in a ditch, I mean, he was like, you know, 30, 40 points underwater. The generic ballot only came in plus one for Republicans. Right. We've been we've been talking about this yeah, yeah, back and for forth. many, many weeks and I, now. And I bring it up because I have a theory about it. When I, re when I read that survey, when I read those survey results, I have a theory about it. Everybody knows this guy's a failure. The only question that's going on out there inside of voters' heads is that they um, they are not yet sure that the Republicans are going to do anything to check the to check the current administration. They're looking at the Republicans and trying to judge: Are they an answer, or are they just another problem? And that's the only way you can interpret all these survey results, which are always the same, right? President's always 20, 30, 40 points underwater, and the generic ballot's always close. They are trying to figure out, are these Republicans for real, or are they just kidding? And I mention it because we've had now a three or four month long, hey, should we put out ideas or should we not put out ideas? If you don't put out ideas, that generic ballot's never going to get better. We're going we're gonna to ride this all the way in, and we'll probably win the majority. But it's not going to be some huge tsunami. Forget it. So I want to switch gears. Can we? May we? Can Shall we? we? Sure. Um, yes, of I actually course. deviated from my energy world, uh, my energy you know, uh, expertise, and, and wrote a piece for your continuing series on freedom, uh, federalism. I like to think of it as our continuing series. And um, I, I mentioned the ministry of the, the newly formed Ministry of Truth. <laughs> the the uh, uh, Disinformation's Governance Board. I was yes, trying to think of their the, the Department which, of Justice what Disinformation <laughs> Governance Board, it, it, which is the, the mind-blowingly, uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't know of an example of perhaps, except for maybe John Adams, 
where uh, the government has come in and tried to basically regulate speech to the extent that that this may or may not do, depending on on, on whether it even gets off the ground. Yeah, you're. Well, I mean, it's been operative for some time, right? The question well, is, that's is it going to survive? Well, that's not what, what the secretary said well, he, yesterday he, or two he, days ago. Yeah, but when he, announced, when, he, when he disclosed it a while back, like two weeks ago, he said, yeah, it's been up for a little while. And we got the undersecretaries in charge, and we have this lady who's running it, Nina, whatever. Yeah, Nina Jankowitz. And I want to get into Nina Jankowitz for a brother. minute or two yeah. because uh, it's just you, it's too good to pass up. Let me let – me, let me, before – before you do that, please let me just you know you you wrote a you wrote a nice thing that um, people don't usually think about how things happen. The only reason you have a First Amendment is because the voters in what what's the vestigial what is now the vestigial Virginia Seventh District, but the Virginia Piedmont Congressional District, in a race between Madison and Monroe, um, made it clear to Mr. Madison that he wasn't going to Congress unless he put in a Bill of Rights that included free speech, right? And he only won by 300 votes, had about 2,200 cast. I mean, it was a nice victory, but not overwhelming. You think, you know, had he lost that, how different things would Constitution be. Yeah. would have cracked up. New government probably would have cracked up. Um, it, well, it, f- it, 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 you know, it, and for, for his part, James Monroe made it clear, hey, you know, this is the hill we're willing to die on. You're, we're going to get something that preserves our civil liberties. And here we are 234 years later fighting with people like Alejandro Mayorkas and uh, Nina, whatever Jankowitz. her name is. Okay. Jankowitz. Yes. Thank you. Um, I want to um, I want to say that I'm grateful that the administration is as bad as it is uh, <laughs> because I think they helped blow this thing up right out of the gate. With our friend Nina Jankowitz, and and I want to play the funny thing that everyone's pointing to, but then I want to play, uh, you know, the play darker, the else, darker, the darker thing. Honoring is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok can. Okay, yeah, I have to stop. I have to stop. I appreciate that. Thank okay. you. I want to spare our listeners. Now, by the way, this is how I envision you admitting that you spread disinformation. They put you in a room <laughs> and they play that song on a continuous loop. <laughs> this is room 101. Quite literally, that would be the the highest form of torture one could possibly. Now, this woman. Can you be? Can I be honest? I've managed to listen to about four seconds. That 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 snippet's the longest I've ever gone. Okay, this woman has embraced the Biden laptop Russia deal. Sure, man. This woman has embraced the Steele dossier openly brazenly this woman also said the following critical race theory has become one of those hot button issues that uh the republicans and and other you know disinformers um who are engaged in disinformation for profit frankly there are plenty of you know media outlets that are making money off of this too have have seized on and i live in virginia uh, and in loudon county that's one of the areas um where people have really honed in on this topic did you catch that Yes. Yes, Republicans and other disinformers. That yeah, one. Yeah, and and I want to play uh, now. Now turning back to the secretary, 
Mayorkas. Yeah. I want to I want to turn back to him because he was on the Hill this week. Yeah. Uh, and he's he had the following exchange with our good friend, Senator Kennedy. When when the department picked her. Was the department aware of her TikTok videos? Uh, Senator, um, uh, I was... they're really quite precocious. Um, uh, Senator, <laughs> um, I was not uh, aware uh, of those videos. Okay, so there were a lot of exchanges in this hearing. Oh, yeah. They well, all amounted basically to I, the buck stops here. But I didn't know anything. But I didn't know anything. And the other thing was it was eked out that they didn't have – they didn't even interview no, for this would. gig. Why would they? This have? was created Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Her. Now, I want to go back to three weeks ago with Ms. With President, uh, former President Obama's little, no, little disinformation, disinformation yeah. convention, yeah. right? This is going to the point of go back to the row, row stuff, and we have massive rallies coming up in less than a week. Yeah, man. This is this is how Dems work. They do a very good job. Yeah, it's election of season. Building narratives, right? Yeah. They 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 stage it very well in advance. They trickle it out, and it just comes and it and it feels like. It's organic, but it's never organic. It's never organic. And trust me, I've worked in politics for a long time, in policy for a long time, Republicans, circles. It doesn't happen in yeah. the Republican Party. No, it doesn't. It does not happen it in doesn't. the Republican yeah, Party. Yeah, you know, simple. Period. I wish it did sometimes, yeah, you know, simple, but it doesn't. Simple rule. Once you see a, once you see two news stories, two news and or opinion pieces about some, you know, something on the left, you know it's a campaign. The... Um, so if, I want to close with this before we uh, get this into another, the is this another one, one more quick clip. No, no, from who? Oh. From Mayorkas. From... Republicans are criticizing your decision, the administration's decision to choose Nina Jankowitz to lead this disinformation board. They say she is not somebody who is neutral. Your response? Eminently qualified, a renowned expert in the field of disinformation. Absolutely so. Eminently qualified, yeah. a renowned expert, and absolutely neutral. Absolutely. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yikes. Okay. Moving on. Um, diesel. But rising gas prices aren't just affecting us when we fill up. Truck drivers are paying so much for diesel to move items all over the country. We're getting hit with that cost, too. Christina Rex explains... Everything has an extra delivery fee, even if we don't see it on the receipt. $650. That's it. Sticker shock for these truckers making a quick fuel stop along the Pike in Framingham. It's a vicious circle. It's an absolute vicious circle. Truck drivers remember years past when the pit stop didn't pinch their wallets like it does now. I have a truck now that has 200 gallons, 250 gallons of fuel. I put $1,000 into it and didn't fill it up. Here in New England, diesel is averaging about six ten a gallon. Now that's up eighty six cents since last week, and it's about three dollars and two cents more per gallon than this time last year. Now the gap between gas and diesel prices is wider than it's been in decades due to a variety of supply issues. And refineries can't easily switch; they can't quickly suddenly produce diesel instead of gasoline. And that is where the price at the trucker's pump. Hits your wallet at home. I can't afford to ride my truck and pay that kind of fuel price. So what happens is every single thing that goes into my trailer 
the prices go up. That's one more reason everything seems more expensive these days. I wanted to play that clip because yeah. sometimes a truck driver yeah, man. explains something yeah, a lot easier totally and, right. and cuts right to the chase as to why this is yeah, a problem. They're, they're, now, nationwide, in, in, in Northeast, it's like, was, just like everything up there, it's so messed up on energy. But nationwide, it's about five fifty-one, uh, the national yeah, average right now. It's a record high. Yeah, it's closer to seven bucks in places where trucks actually operate. The other thing is, and this is a huge problem. Um, we're going dry up in we're going dry in New York Harbor on diesel, and that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, trucks move out of Port Elizabeth every day. They feed New York. They feed Boston. They feed Philadelphia. They are going dry. Um, we're going to have real trouble here in the next 10 days on diesel. Let me let me just do two other things real quick while we're talking about that. Um, the other bad news that came out in energy land this week um, is that the storage of natural gas is running about 35% lower than it usually does this time of year. The way the world works, for those of you who don't care, is that um, you store companies tend to store natural gas in the summertime, in the spring and summer, and release it and burn it out in the fall and the winter when it's hot, when it's cold and people need heating, right? Um, that storage is running about 35% below average. That's a huge problem. It's exactly what happened in Germany last year that led to the run-up in natural gas prices in Europe. Gas prices already in the States are at 8 bucks. I think we're 8 bucks this morning, maybe a little bit more. Um, compared to what uh, when President Trump was president, about 3 bucks. Um, we're going to have prices this year, this winter, 15 bucks, 16 bucks, 18 bucks. They're going to be pretty bad. There's going to be some, some real problems. And, and, um, and the real problem is, and I, I know I'm going to get, I'm going to get rocks thrown at me for this. Real problem is we didn't build pipelines in the Marcellus. We have not built pipelines out of the Marcellus, so we can't access all that as much well, gas we have, as we there's should. There's a reason we haven't. Yeah, sure. Because squarely on the Democrats. Well, squarely on the environmentalists and the and Democrats the who stopped it. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. The governor, uh, the former disgraced governor of New York. Yeah, the 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 Biden administration. Sure. Let me let me put one other thing in. Was, FERC. Sure, FERC. Let me EPA. Let me put one Army Corps of Engineers. Let me put one other thought in everybody's head about this because it's important and it ties diesel and gas and natural gas all together. Europeans are imagining we're going to export a bunch of LNG to them this winter. That's not going to happen. Yeah, and the EU just said they want to completely cut off Russia, right? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It can happen, and I'll tell you what. There's going to be export of these products, refined products, crude oil products, natural gas, going to come under pressure here in the States because people are going to um, conclude that part of the reason why the prices are going up is because we're exporting it. Whether that's true or not, it doesn't make any bit of difference. There's going to be political pressure to restrict exports. I guarantee you in the next six or eight months. Well, we and there's going to be market pressure also. Of course. Right? I of mean, course. We're not going to, I mean, everything's going to go up. Propane. It, and, uh, and, and, you know, keep in mind. Heating oil, everything's going to go Like up. diesel touches everything that's moved by truck. Natural gas touches everything that's made. Everything that uses electricity, fertilizer, home heater, fertilizer, the hey, whole shebang. You know the fertilizer story. You're going to have famines in Asia and Africa because of the disastrous energy policies in Europe. But it, we don't need this stuff. 
Secretary oh Kerry God. said, we've got plenty know. of alternatives, right? Well, Samantha Power Sorry, got on special t- envoy Kerry. Samantha Power got on TV the, this weekend and said, "Great, we can all switch over to manure." <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking to myself. Our own? What are we going to do? Go outside, <laughs> pop a squat, and then like let it dry and it's then burn just, it? It's, it's, like, it's crazy. It's like the five-year-olds are in charge of energy yeah, policy yeah, in this administration. Sorry, I didn't mean that's a long divergence. No, but it's, it's important for folks to understand this. We're, like, we're, this playing, is, we're, not, it, we're not on the other side of anything. We're playing with matches here. Oh, yeah, the inflation stuff, forget it. This, this economy is going to be a wreck for at least two more years, probably longer. Right. What else you got? Uh, quick, some a few quick hits. Uh, May fourth, twenty twenty two. May the fourth be with you. Letter to President Biden from Vicente Gonzalez, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Fletcher, and Henry Cuellar, four Democrat members of Congress. Dear President Biden, thank you for your blah 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 blah. One important action your administration can take to ensure American energy independence is to publish a new five year uh, outer continental. Shelf oil and gas leasing plan, as required under the uh, uh, Oxla. Yeah, so on Oxla, yeah, I was going to try to shorten it. Although global energy crisis has directed immediate attention to energy security, uh, so it, yeah. So thank you for your continued leadership. We look forward to you, yeah, helping me out of my political problem. Yeah. So in the same in the same vein. Um, Jamie Dimon got up yesterday. Jamie Dimon. Oh, you're stealing my thunder. Go ahead, you first. No, I go ahead, please. I was just gonna say yesterday or day before Jamie Thunder, uh, Jamie Thunder, Jamie Dimon, who's been running around telling everybody about how important the energy transition is, said that we need to have a strike force in the White House. Can I play what he said? Please, yes. Thank you, because this was my hypocrite of the day segment. What's your plan B if it does go I, all pear shaped? I like the fact that the, it, it will deal with it. You know, I mean, that's life. But how? I, mean, I, I like the, in my view, the most important thing is American growth and that America, you know, I call this Marshall Plan for Energy, that we do everything we can. And this doesn't violate climate change, it doesn't change anything about long term objectives, but that we do everything we can to get oil and gas into the hands of Europeans so they don't freeze in the winter. You know, and again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, you know, you have a couple of problems out there. The the national energy stuff is the global energy is precarious. And if oil goes to 185, that's a huge problem for people. And we should do everything we can today. We need to pump more oil and gas. We need to do crude pipelines. I, if you look at the U.S. frackers, they could drill more. We get confused about policy and that somehow doing that is bad for the climate. It's not. You know, we need, you know, if you want transition, you need gas to replace coal. <laughs> and we should improve all the green stuff, too. Yeah, Maybe sure. The green stuff takes five years to take. The green stuff, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and America needs to get its act together. And they should have a war room. They should get everyone involved, get you know, all the people and say, what do we need to do in a consistent, coherent way? We need to get more gas to LNG terminals. Well, you can't do that without a gas pipeline. You know, and so we're just not rational anymore. We 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 have misconceived notions about how we're gonna get things done and Okay. Wow. As as I think I, he's uh, almost surpassing Larry Fink in, in my eyes okay, as, as okay. Like, not quite, but he's well, getting let's, close. Let's 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 you let's, wanna dissect this a no, little no, bit? No, or no, just, no, just no. I just I, I just like, wanna no, I just wanna say we should be charitable. You know, that is as close to a rich guy ever is gonna get to admitting he was wrong about something. 
Fair enough. You know, and if I'll give you that. And we're looking for converts, not heretics. That sounded a hell of a lot like a convert. Hey, oil, gas, so people don't freeze it. And yeah, that green stuff, that, absolutely. Yeah, we should yeah, definitely do that at some it's point. Five the years from now. The thing is, like, we, he, we, he, he, not we, not we, he is the one who created yeah, the irrational I get it. energy I get it, but situation in this country. But he's never going to, like right? I said, rich dudes. Yeah. I'm, so, yeah. Welcome it? to the club, Jamie. You're welcome to come on the podcast Seriously. and talk about this a little Seriously, bit more. Seriously, you should. Jamie Diamond, J.P. Morgan Chase, Chairman and CEO, largest bank in North America. Well, thanks for thanks for joining the party. Seriously, guy. welcome welcome to the welcome to the bright side. Breathtaking, unbelievable. All right. Well, that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Episode number eighty-two is in the books. Namaste. <laughs> 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 <laughs>